0: I'm Mimi Wagner, welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week, we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC Radio Show exclusively for this podcast. The Delta variant and troubles with China rattled the stock market this week, but should you be concerned? Steve and I discuss how long-term investors should react to a possible correction and what the bond market is saying about inflation right now. We also talk about the tri-state's affordability and why that is driving Cincinnati's cost of living higher as well as how singles can plan for a secure retirement. Finally, I interview Mark Reckman, the estate planning attorney at Wood and Lamping, about giving to grandchildren. You've been on this roller coaster before the stock market getting jittery again. So what's going on now? You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. All right, so the market recovering after its worst drop in months yesterday, right? And and Wall Street is all over the place. Like, there's some good things, some bad things. It's a very mixed bag, and... Depending on the day, hour, minutes, Wall Street <laughs> seems to be responding. The market seems to be responding oh, to very different things.
1: This is why we don't time the market, Amy. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Exhibit A. I, jittery is, is the best word I, I, I think we can use. Uh, I mean, when the market reaches new highs, everybody gets happy, but a little bit nervous you know it's you know it's not going to stay up here forever it's got to come down well it doesn't really have to come down i started in the business in the early 80s and i remember in my first year um i think the dow was around 960 not 9000 960 and people were panicking oh it's hit a thousand it can't stay up here well it's kind of a funny story now you know yeah. so yeah we we've seen a heck of a run over the past 18 months in, in the market People are are jittery, and the news about the the uh, Delta variant of COVID is getting everybody nervous. And you know, oh my goodness, oh this market can't keep up, the, the the economy can't keep up. We might go back into lockdown, and you know, the panic sets in, and markets drop. And who knows what the next couple of days are going to bring? I sure don't. But you yeah. know, that's that's the definition of a jittery market. It's it's nothing I'm worried about, but you know, you got to watch it.
0: So let's take a big collective breath right now, right, and, and give you a little bit of perspective here. You know, Steve, you were talking about the Dow getting up to a 1,000 and everyone freaking out about that. <laughs> Yesterday, you know, yeah, as you're I'm hearing old. people saying, you know, <laughs> Dow's down 700 points, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, let's look past the points, which right. is what a lot of the financial media talks about because 700 points, well, it's that's a scary as heck. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah. But we were down, like, a percent and a half at yeah. most. It's You know, so when you look at the percentage versus the points, you get a little better perspective on the true impact this is having yeah. on your yeah.
1: 401k. That's good advice, yeah. And, and you, I'll tell you what, Amy, you want to get a little bit nervous. Okay, with the Dow around 35,000, a normal correction of 10 to 15 percent, let's say 15 percent. Of thirty five thousand, that's a five thousand point drop. That's normal, yeah. You know, in, in right. the old days, it was it like, oh, a really hundred point drop. Oh my goodness, you know, that's a correction. Now, now it's now it would take a fifteen, uh, I'm sorry, a five thousand point drop in, in the Dow to be just a normal pullback. A- yeah. And tell me, people wouldn't panic over? I mean, that that let's just say that was uh, five one thousand point day drops in a row, you know, it it's it can you imagine the headlines and that's normal. So let's get used to it, people. Yeah, you know, the Dow is at 35,000. It's not unusual. It's a new record and and uh yeah, we're we're going to have a correction. Maybe it's going to start today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, probably sometime within the next year. I mean, that's not going out on the ledge, but uh, corrections are normal. They happen yeah. every year, year and a half. Um, Generally, you don't do anything because as we can see through the last 24, 48 hours, trying to time this stuff it's a losing proposition. Yeah.
0: Call it jitters, call it volatility, whatever it is. If you've forgotten what this feels like, it is normal. Now, we're talking about this Delta variant and and I think it might feel a little strange to a lot of us because it seems like the market has kind of turned a blind eye on COVID, right? Over yeah. the past few weeks, few months, since vaccinations kind of became widespread, the markets don't seem to be responding much to it. Well, this Delta variant does seem to be changing things up a bit. There's I think 8, 9 states that are kind of walking back to um, you know, mask restriction or you know, mask mandates and other restrictions about being in public places with lots of people. You know, will that impact the economy? I know hospitalization rates are up, death rates are up, uh case rates of cases are up. So this does seem to be having an impact. And and, and you know, we know someone here um locally who's in the hospital right now. Uh you know, like in a pretty serious situation because of covid but here in the u.s i don't think this is impacting us the way it is globally but you can't like we don't operate in a vacuum when we're talking about our economy right we're impacted by by what's happening in in countries across the globe and they're having a difficult run with this well and i i
1: I think that's really the concern of wall street amy is okay um are we going to go back to locking down the economy how restrictive are we going to be are we we going to set Occupancy limits in restaurants and all that Stuff again I, I think the, there's Some pretty clear direction that No nobody wants to go Back to that but this is A serious issue and I, I know the person You're talking about um, yeah it's It's sad they're in bad shape but they're Unvaccinated and, and I think that's the Key is you know when when You know there's not a lot of really good information But the way I understand it is If you've been vaccinated yeah You can still get COVID again But the vaccination Has has beefed up your immune system enough where um, the most severe concerns are pretty much not a concern if you've been vaccinated. If you haven't been vaccinated, okay, this variant's... Pretty serious stuff. And even if you're in good health, it, it it can knock you down real, real good. So, you know, if you're vaccinated, not much of a, a concern. If you're not vaccinated, same concern we had a year ago. It, it can hit certain groups of people. It, it can be bad. And, and and I think that's Wall Street's concern is, OK, are we going to go back to lockdown? How many unvaccinated people are there? We honestly, we don't know how many people have had COVID that aren't vaccinated but have uh, 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 An immunity built up from actually having it and being asymptomatic. So there's a lot of unknowns out there, and Wall Street hates unknowns. And and when you're at near records on the Dow, um, yeah, there's you know there there's going to be some concern of valid or not. This may be the reason to take your money and take a break and and watch the correction happen. We, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out.
0: You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the jitters, right? What gives you the jitters? What gives Wall Street the jitters? Certainly uh, the Delta variant making the market a little shaky. Also, though... The trade war. You know, this is something that, oh, my goodness, we talked about this so much before it's the back. pandemic started. And, yeah, it is back. In fact, um, yesterday, the U.S. and the U.K. formally said, hey, that Microsoft Exchange hack uh, was without a doubt affiliated with the Chinese government. Um, even going so far as accusing Beijing's leadership of malicious cyber activities them are fighting words.
1: Uh, yeah, this is well, you know, it's. I I, I don't want to get into politics, even though I would love to pull that into this. But you know, we, I will we, remind we, you, we're I not know, red, we're not, blue, we're, we we're, we're not blue, we are green. But but yeah, we we've been saying this for for years, it, and it's it's an open secret in, internationally in in that you've got state actors that are hacking. Other nations servers. So um, I think we kind of caught the Chinese red handed on this Microsoft exchange hack. And and, and, uh, here's the reason it's serious. It compromised tens of thousands of servers, not individuals. I'm not worried about my personal email. Okay, these are servers for corporations, servers for government agencies, servers for water supply you know, these are these are major, major um, uh, trade attacks. secrets,
0: right? Yeah, Confidential well, business oh, information, yeah, yeah, sensitive technologies, research, all of those things uh, yeah. China has hacked into to the point where the Justice Department has announced indictments against four Chinese nationals for being involved in these things. And when you look at, you know, companies, universities, government entities, you're right, Steve, like yeah. the impact of that cannot be understated
1: no so cyber war it 's now a part of every nation 's war plan. we do it the russians do it uh, the the chinese do it here 's the difference the chinese this is part of their their national growth plan i i mean they they 've been stealing uh blueprints for years take, take a look at some of their fighter jets they 're identical to ours yeah. i mean they are identical, so you know we we 're what we 've known for years and actually decades we're actually bringing out into the public and saying, hey, we caught you. Um, We know you did this and and you can't deny it. Well, they are denying it, but they know what they did. We know what they did. And the question is, what are we going to do about the accusations? Yeah, we can jail a couple people as scapegoats, but, you know, this is something that, you know, it could be argued it's an act of war, what's been going on. So, you know, what, what governments do with information like this, they don't necessarily use it right now. They store it away. So if if there ever ever is a hot war instead of a cold war, that's when they can use their knowledge of access, their knowledge of accounts, their knowledge of personal information against the company they're, uh, they're at war with. So, you know, th- this is really an opening salvo, and, and it'll be um, brought up more in diplomatic circles in the future, and, and maybe sanctions, maybe tariffs, something like that. But I, I think the important point out of this is we called them on it, and we called them out on, we called them on it publicly.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, here's the head scratcher, though, is is we look at the markets, what they're responding to and maybe what they're not is the bond market. Right. It seems to be like turning a blind eye on inflation right now. And this is not the way that you would expect this to go.
1: I I know, and and inflation is a big concern, and we think it is transitory, but, you know, if the data changes, our opinion is going to change. Well, 10-year bonds, which are a real good guide of what the markets think inflation is going to be, they've gone from 1.7 percent interest, 1.7 percent yield, Back down to a little over one percent. I, I mean, that's a major drop, which means the values of those bonds of increasing. So you know, there's a lot of signs in the bond market that are that they're saying um, we're not really concerned about inflation over the long run. It's bad right now, and and it'll get. Back to normal, and and that's just one more piece of data that's telling me, okay, this maybe is transitory. Maybe the Federal Reserve is right, and and yeah, it stinks that we're paying three bucks a gallon for gas, and prices at supermarkets are up, but we'll get through it. And, and you know, the time frame, who knows, first quarter, second quarter of next year. But the the whole point is, this should be short term, and the bond marks are te- markets are telling us we think it will be short term.
0: Yeah, and you can look specifically at something called the yield curve, which is simply the gap or the spread between a 10-year treasury and a two-year treasury. Uh, And when that gap is less than 1%, uh, you know, if you were an investor and you expect inflation to rise in the future, well, then you would expect to get a, a higher yield for that investment. And when it shrinks to this point, well, it shows that we're not super concerned about inflation. At least investors in the bond market don't seem to be right now
1: yeah you you want you want to make everybody in in a dinner party think you're the smartest financial person in the world, Amy instead of saying um one percent say one hundred basis points and that'll throw them hey, I'm only getting uh ten basis points interest on my savings account, and they'll say, what do you mean oh, that's one tenth of one percent or or you really want to sound smart call them bips instead of basis points they're abbreviated bps say oh yeah, I'm only getting ten bips oh man they're they're gonna think you're a genius. I've been using that for years.
0: I want to sit next to you at a dinner party sometime. (laughs) I might laugh the whole time. Here's a Simply Money point. The stock market, it's worrying less about inflation and more right now about this Delta variant and economic growth. Making Waves in Cincinnati. There's a company called Swimply, uh, and they're promising if you're a pool owner that you can make some extra cash. All you got to do is let someone else take a dip in your backyard. I got to tell you, Spra, that like, this would have been my jam a few years ago. <laughs> I grew up, actually, yeah. with a pool in my backyard. My parents thought it was really important that like all the kids kind of congregate oh, at their house so they could keep an eye oh, on boy. everyone so we had the pool in the backyard. Yeah. And then I, like... Grew up and was like, uh, move, you know, move back to Cincinnati and was like, what do I do in the summer? Yeah. I need a pool. Yeah. And if there was a pool for rent down the street, I might have paid for it. <laughs>
1: well, we were we were the family that oh, you got any rich friends that have pools, yeah. so we we were the <laughs> other guys. But no, it, it, it's kind of interesting because you know I had a boat years ago, and people say a boat is a hole in the water that you fill with money. Well, mm-hmm. a pool is kind of a hole in the ground that you fill with money. Yes. they're not cheap, and yes. somebody you know this Airbnb concept is spreading out to cars. I've talked about that. Now it's it's moved to, to pools, and, and you know there is some serious cost. To maintaining a pool, what what an idea! Rent out yes. your pool, fifty bucks an hour, thirty bucks an hour, um, and, and it's in all fifty states. You go to Swimply. It's like simply like simply money, but throw a W in there, Swimply. And you can find out where these pools are. And there's a bunch of them right here in Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, an urban sanctuary with a diving board and a patio. Cost you 30 bucks an hour in Cincinnati. Or you can get what they call a tropical paradise. It even has banana trees in the backyard. 45 bucks. that's in Montgomery. No kids allowed there. Um, and a saltwater <laughs> dream in Crescent Springs is going to run you 60 bucks an hour. A lot of things to think through here, like, you know, First of all, no peeing in the pool. Obviously, you got to know that. But if it's your oh, pool no. in the backyard and you can't control <laughs> that, like. But also, people are going to want access to your bathrooms and maybe to your home. I know. Something to truly think about. But here's here's a nugget for you, just to think about if if you're thinking maybe I will, maybe I won't. There's a guy in Colorado. Who during the pandemic decided to start doing this? He rented his pool 500 times last year. So obviously multiple times a day, and he made about 50 grand. I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Colorado. That's not Florida. I mean, it's nice. a limited season. And, and I I mean, this this guy, he he turned it from, OK, now I can pay for chemicals to keep it clean to this is a new revenue stream. I, yeah. I mean, this is Significant this is revenue. Here's the problem I would have, though, Amy. It, it's like, OK, I know if I were in my 20s again and could rent a pool for 30 or 50 bucks uh, for, you know, a couple of hours, couple hours. Um, yeah, it, it would be with my idiot friends and the there would be alcohol consumed. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's that I would have a hard time running it out and not keeping a watch on it. And I know that's not what people want, it, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I, can you let go of your concerns about, you know, what's going on? And did anybody get hurt? And, you know, any cut, uh, anybody cut themselves on a broken beer bottle or something? But apparently it works. People are doing yeah. it.
0: On average, they say hosts make between 10 and 20 grand a year. If you're interested, I don't know. Check it out. So retirement planning for anyone is challenging these days but if you are single there yeah. are extra considerations that we just want to make sure that you're thinking through Steve without a doubt when you're talking to investors who are couples versus uh, singles the conversation's yeah. different
1: Amy we've talked about this many times and and you know when you're single what happens if you get sick who takes care of you who makes yeah. those decisions when you're laid up if you aren't sure if your power of attorney for both financial and medical are up to date or if you have one check it, especially if you're single. I, I mean, uh, what happens if you set up a power of attorney that said, OK, if I'm laid up or have a stroke and can't make decisions or de- uh, uh, contract dementia or whatever the case is, I've got two people set up on a power of attorney. Well, I I recently reviewed a power of attorney where uh, person number one uh, just diagnosed themselves with Alzheimer's. Person number two passed away six months ago. There basically is no power of attorney. Mm. So, I mean, you have to look at these things, especially as you get up in years, maybe every six months to a year, and make sure the people you appoint powers of attorney are capable and review it on a regular basis to make sure they're still capable of making decisions on your behalf.
0: Well, no question. There's more and more single people out there. Um, I mean, double where we were with single people between the ages of 50 and 64. Just 40 years ago, uh, 40 percent of people over the age of 65 are now unmarried, 30 percent if you're between 50 and 64. So you're not alone in this boat. And you're right. The estate planning is incredibly critical. Also, what's going to be long term care, health care planning. Um, But, you know, I mean, even just from a foundational standpoint, Standpoint, You know, if a couple has two incomes and one of you loses your jobs, well, there mm-hmm. is something still coming in. If you are right. a single person and you lose your job, you get laid off, you get hurt, whatever it is, that income stops coming yeah. in. The emergency fund for you yep. is... Uh, it's not even an option, and I would say, Steve, that for a single person, it needs to be a lot more robust.
1: Yeah, as yeah. far as
0: how many months of expenses you can cover than if it, if it's a couple.
1: Well, Amy, when there's nobody else to fall back on, the only one left is you, you, yeah. you know. So, yeah, make sure, you know, if you want to have three months bills socked away in a, you know, zero interest earning bank account because you don't want to have a lot of money in zero interest, that might be OK if you're married. But, you know, if you're single, maybe double that, Yeah, you know, have a foundation. Make sure you're capable of getting through a rough patch. And it goes into things even like Social Security. I mean, yeah, you have fewer options to consider, but you have options to consider. Should you draw at 62 wait till full retirement age? Do I want to go back to work? If I do, will I make more than I'm allowed to before full retirement age? These are things that you have to take really seriously because you know once you make a decision on social security, it's basically irrevocable. You made the decision, you're stuck with it. So yeah, let's take a hard look at every financial decision when you're single and make sure you've got the data to, to back up that decision.
0: Here's the Simply Money point. Singles planning for retirement need to be even more mindful of your emergency fund and long-term care plans. Expensive and controversial. So we talked about this new Alzheimer's drug, Adjuhelm, uh, a few weeks ago on the show, right? And the fact that it's incredibly expensive. In fact, $56,000 a year. Yet, Steve, without a doubt, the loved ones... Of people who have Alzheimer's, so desperate for a drug that the FDA kind of acknowledged that when they went ahead and said, "Okay, we're going to let this come to market," they said, "We, w- there's a lot of questions about this drug, but we know a lot of people want it."
1: Amy, this this made headlines a, a few weeks ago because yes. I, I mean, I know people, I, I know you know people that have had Alzheimer's, and when there's a new drug that may may help people quit from losing their, their memory, um, you're going to grasp at it. And, and, you know, the fact that this is going to cost about $56,000 a year for treatment, when, when you've got a, a spouse or a child or a parent or, or whatever the case is, you're going to reach for for anything you can. So when the FDA approved this drug, everybody was saying, and this was all over the news a few weeks ago, hey, we've got something real here, and, and finally we get a breakthrough. But, you know, it may be not so quick, unfortunately. I mean, these yeah. are we, we've got a couple of major health uh, hospitals. Cleveland Clinic is, is well known. They're right up there with the Mayo Clinic and, yeah. and they're saying, nope, we've looked at the same research and we are not comfortable administering this drug.
0: Yeah. So what they've said is, OK, listen, physicians at Cleveland Clinic, if you feel strongly about this, you can prescribe it. But it will not be administered here on our premises. They'll have to go elsewhere to get get the drug, which is given intravenously. Mount Sinai, another one that's saying, hey, listen, uh, we're not going to give out this drug. In And some experts have said, uh listen, we think that this is going to help slow the cognitive decline. Right. It, it's not going to reverse anything. It's Best not going
1: to bring Best anything. Case back,
0: yes. But they've also said that there are studies that show that this drug, Adjuhelm, could cause brain swelling or brain bleeding. Uh, And so I think it was important for us to talk about it because, first of all, there is a money cost associated with this, but but I also have been in the situation myself um, where a loved loved one is being faced with, um, you know, hey, here's something that might work. The price tag on it is exorbitant, but I think there's so many people willing to try anything. So this one's going to continue to play out.
1: It is. And, and you know, these are not hospitals that just, you know, uh, knee-jerk reactions say, now nah, I'll pass on this. I, I mean, they want to use this. They, you know, they want to treat their patients in the best way possible. But when you're looking at, and, and this is what the research apparently has showed, when you're looking at, well, it may not have any help. And by the way, brain bleeding and brain swelling are too not uncommon side effects. I mean, these are major side effects. This isn't nausea and possible vomiting. This is this could kill you and maybe not help you. You know. So uh, Mount Sinai they took it a step further. Amy Mount Sinai uh, said that they are calling for a federal investigation into the relationship between the FDA and this drugs manufacturer, BioGen. I mean, this is that's that's pretty serious. You know, in other words, why did you approve it? Did money exchange hands? I want that looked into before we're going to administer it to our patients. So, yeah, I I, I would love to say, hey, we've got this miracle drug and it's helping uh, Alzheimer's patients. But um, at least at this point in time, uh, two major hospitals are saying thanks, but no thanks. I think the, the negatives outweigh the positives until we learn more about it.
0: I think we're going to continue to hear a lot more about these drugs, uh, this drug and the headlines over the next you know, coming months. Renters could find a great deal during the pandemic if you had decent credit and you would live in a city. But that time has apparently passed. You know, Steve, it's so crazy because I know a lot of people who say, I'd put my house on the market because I want to take advantage of these this crazy real yeah. estate market. But where do I go next? Yeah, and it yeah. used to be, well, you could rent something in the short term and save some money, but not so anymore.
1: Well, and and, and it's it's something you and I learned years ago. Cincinnati is a great place to live. I mean, I moved here here in 84 and I never had any intention of moving elsewhere if I I could help it. Because we have so many, I mean, the the quality of living that we have here and then the price tag associated with it is one of the best combinations in the country, Amy. And and other people are finally learning this.
0: Well, yeah, Cincinnati listed as one of the hottest metro areas in the U.S. This was by Realtor.com. An average studio apartment just over a thousand dollars. The one bedroom is eleven $1, hundred. Two bedroom thirteen hundred locally, uh, and you know what, Steve is crazy. Uh, you compare that to nationally, and the average median yeah. rent is like sixteen hundred. So significantly lower here. But I was in the car over the weekend and heard a commercial where they the commercial was directed at people who are moving here from. Out of town Yeah. It was a jewelry commercial, and they were saying, "Hey, everyone else already knows about us, but if you're moving here from big cities," and they even said Lake New York, L.A. If you're coming here from other places, and I was thinking, "My goodness, like if there's companies out there that that figure that they can capitalize on people who are doing this, there must be a significant number of people looking at coming to Cincinnati right now."
1: Oh, could, could you imagine living in New York, San Francisco, Chicago with a you know crazy, especially uh, West Coast. Crazy, high rents, and and now you can work remotely and, and Cincinnati has so much more going for it than it did ten years ago. Yeah. I was reading about a couple that just moved from Berkeley right right, right by San Francisco six hundred square foot apartment there they now live in a four thousand square foot house in Mason, and the mortgage, yeah, it's high twenty two hundred bucks a month it's just eighty bucks more than they were paying for that six hundred square foot apartment. Can you imagine going from 600 square? That's like going from an RV to a mansion. You know? Yeah, it's it's crazy.
0: It's it's crazy. So this is going to continue to play out. I think more and more people are going to continue to come this way. Uh, So you can expect to see that maybe in home prices and uh, rent prices as well. Here's the Simply Money point. Cincinnati is getting a little more expensive because more people are coming here for its affordability. When it comes to your children and your grandchildren, my goodness, you would do anything for them. But what about those grandkids? Do you leave them money in your will or trust? This could get complicated. It can get dicey. So joining us tonight to help us get to the bottom of it is Mark Reckman. He's our estate planning expert from the law firm of Wood and Lamping. I think, Mark, most people uh, feel pretty strongly love those grandkids, want to do the best that they can by them. So what are the things we need to be thinking through when we're doing our estate planning when it comes to grandkids?
2: Well, the big question that so many people ask me is should i leave something to my grandchildren and you're right we love our grandchildren can we leave the money well of course we can but should you and how much well you know that's a personal choice uh, amy what i can tell you is the the vast majority of the wills and trusts that i write do not include grandchildren but with the clients who want to include grandchildren uh, you need to talk about a couple of three things
0: when it comes to deciding if you're going to include them or not include them, what's the thought process
2: there? Well, you have to start by figuring out what the purpose is. What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, are you trying to, uh, to give money to the kids so they can have some funds, some spending money for immediate use? Uh, and if that's your goal, then my advice is keep the gift small, under five grand, maybe under ten grand, and give it to them outright, uh, un- unless they're minors. Uh, mm-hmm. But if they're over 18, give it to them outright and expect that they're just going to spend it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if that's not the case, if what you're trying to accomplish is to give them a leg up in life, uh, then you've got to make the gift large enough to be truly helpful, something they can invest and in that they can watch grow and live off the income. And my advice in that case is to put it in a trust, unless, of course, the grandchildren are fully mature.
0: And what about um, large sums of money, right? You've got a very close relationship to grandkids, but also, you know, often they're, you know, younger. And so you're not sure exactly how responsible they could be about money at that point.
2: Well, over the years, I have not become a fan about leaving significant sums of money to young grandchildren. It, it's just too risky. There, there are so many unknowns. You think you know your grandchildren mm-hmm. uh, and you think you know them well, um, but there are things that you don't know and things that you can't know because they haven't happened. Amy, I have seen cases uh, where children have developed mental illnesses uh, late in their youth. Oh, um, yeah. I can think of a couple of stories. Uh, that, uh, I remember one child who was a year ahead of me in high school and he was the the the, the uh, president of student council, captain of the swimming team. Uh, he was a, a, a scholastic scholar. Uh, went off to Yale. He was the, he was the, the the golden boy, voted yeah. most likely to succeed in that class. And sure enough, uh, his freshman year, in the fall of his freshman year, he had a mental illness crisis. I suspect it was schizoaffective disorder. Mm-hmm. By Christmas, uh, he dropped out of school and joined a religious cult. Mm-hmm. Um By the Easter of the following year, he was off in mexico all of his all of his college money he 'd given to the religious cult we didn 't see that guy for ten years before he resurfaced um, oh, and he was dead by the time he was thirty five
0: not, you know, and if those grandparents, right, had said, look at him in high school, he's going to Yale, he's got, you know, he's going to do great things, we can trust him. Yeah, to your point, you never know. Uh, okay, so what are the other things thinking through um, that grandparents need to think about, about grandchildren and, and their wills?
2: Well, if you want the money to be used for a specific purpose, my advice is to try to be practical. Uh, if you leave $10,000 uh, to a kid to be used for college, you're going to create a nightmare, the probate court's going to require accounting in that money and potentially for years. That process is cumbersome. It's expensive. Furthermore, $10,000 is not enough money to justify all that trouble. Shoot, even the state college tuitions at this point are ten, twelve thousand dollars 12000 a year, and that doesn't yeah. include room and board. So if you're going to do something like that, then, then put the money into a 529 plan. Make the gift large enough that it will be meaningful. It's a lot easier to do, plus... I would suggest that you consider using a trust, or better yet, just give it to the parents and let them dole it out.
0: What about, Mark, people who come in and they love their grandkids, they want to give them something, they're doing estate planning, but is there ever a consideration for, I could give this money, I could leave it when I'm gone, but I'd also like to see them enjoy it and spend it now?
2: Sure. And, and that's just fine, Amy. And what I tell those people is keep it small. Give them $5,000 a piece. Expect them to go out and spend it on a used boat. <laughs> I don't know what they would spend it on, but, <laughs> but keep it small so that they don't do something stupid. And be sure that you don't enable somebody who has who, um, addictive tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you have to be careful about uh, giving money to somebody who might use that money in a way that's harmful to themselves.
0: Realty to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC as we are joined by our estate planning expert, Mark Rackman, talking through, do you leave grandkids money? Uh, you know, and it looks like it shouldn't be a large sum of money. Mark, what about the people who decide, okay, I'm not going to leave it to the grandkids, but I'm going to leave it to my children, hoping that that gets to the grandkids in some way. Is there any way that you can direct that money in somehow?
2: Certainly you can. You you can just tell your children uh, what you want. And, of course, it depends on the family. You know, I've worked with families where the grandparents are solid, the kids eh, not so much, and the grandkids are solid. It sort of skips a generation. And that's a whole different situation. If you've got reliable grandchildren, if they're through that trouble, what I call the trouble spots, that 20- to 25-year range where I've seen many, many cases of of schizophrenia and bipolar conditions that are completely hidden until Mm -hmm. the age of 18 or 20, If they're through that trouble period, then don't hesitate to leave it to the kids, uh, to the grandkids, I mean. Um, But you have to make that judgment based on the strength of your children and what they can be told to do. If you want to be real specific, a living trust is the way to do that. You put the terms right on the trust. This money is to be used for a wedding. This money is to be used for college. This money is to be used to start a small business or buy a home. These are things you can put right into a trust agreement.
0: And as you're thinking about grandkids, obviously you're picturing the faces of the grandkids that are right in front of you. But what if, as you're making these decisions about these specific two or four grandchildren, you pass away and then more are born after you're gone? Are they just kind of left out of the equation?
2: They are. And this is a classic scenario. When I <laughs> I had this conversation with my own mother uh, a few years before she died. She had uh, five great-grandchildren, and she said to me, she said, I want to give money, I want to put money in a a college account for my great-grandchildren, and and the problem was that her grandchildren at that point were in the prime of their childbearing years, and I discouraged her from doing it, and as it turned out, my mother passed away three years ago. She's had three great-grandchildren born since she died. Had she started putting money in account for those who were around when she was around, she would have missed half of her grandkids. It's it's not a practical solution.
0: You know, I think there's just so many things to think through. You know, as we, we started down this road talking about do you put grandkids into your will or not, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that maybe there would be some that could be born later, and that's why I think working with someone who can help you think through all the things that maybe you haven't considered is a great tool in estate planning.
2: Well, it's all, the experience that we have in, in, in our field is we've seen it work. We've seen when it doesn't work.
0: Great insights tonight, as always, from estate planning expert Mark Reckman from the law firm of Wood and Lamping. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. Now, if you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think they may benefit from it as well. At Allworth Financial, we help you retire better.